WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Let's be blunt. Like blunt force trauma in this case. Could there possibly be a more sickening matchup for the Super Bowl than New England against Philadelphia? The cheaters from Boston, the national capital of racism and annoying accents, against Philadelphia. They've never seen the Flyers win the Cup, well, not since 1975, but they may see the Eagles get their first ever Super Bowl ring, which would mean their biggest sports hero in Philadelphia would cease being a fictional boxer. But Philadelphia is a lock to lose. Nick Foles isn't going to beat Tom Brady. So Philadelphia gets its heart broken, and maybe they destroy the city, which would be fun, except really, how could you tell? But then New England wins Super Bowl number six. They're tied with the Steelers. The homeless coach and the cheating quarterback get their legends inflated even more, and we hate them because we ain't them. We'd get to hear that some more. Uh, Philadelphia winning would actually be preferable. But there's no way that can happen. Because if the Patriots should win, they do win, which is something the Steelers certainly can't say. Sick again. Brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping to build the right way since 1956. Uh, don't forget that. The Patriots aren't in the Super Bowl because they have better talent than the Steelers. The Steelers, to me, have marginally more talent than New England. If, if you take away the, the quarterback, and no offense to Ben, but Brady's the best ever, throw out the quarterback, I think the Steelers are a much better team on paper. The Patriots are in the Super Bowl because of discipline and focus. Because the Patriots show up for work and the Steelers show up for super wonderful, crazy fun time. Belichick and Brady give New England an edge. Discipline and focus provide a bigger edge. You know, uh, so many of you are happy because Debo's in the Super Bowl. Yay, Debo! Get another ring, Debo! We love you, Debo! But most of the Steelers players got to be very upset about Harrison being in the Super Bowl with New England. I'd bet they're very angry because they felt Harrison betrayed them by joining New England and by how he made himself the victim when he was departing. Would it be entertaining to just hear me talk about the game and, and at some point break down weeping? Liverpool haven't lost since October. Since October. And they're losing one nothing to the last place team. Haven't lost since October. October. For the love of God. And they've come out playing in the second half just, just horribly. Uh, what else do I... Oh, here, here's something. Here's some Steeler coaching news. The coach who was late for the game Sunday was Jurel Savsky the inside backers coach. He was a scrub player, and I was a scrub coach. Fire that guy. The low-level jabroni coach can't be the guy who's late, especially when the guys in his position stink. Benson, Sean Spence, and Fortin, 
whoever else the freak dirty red, they got uh, an inside backer. Uh, it looks like Todd Haley is going to be the offensive coordinator in Cleveland. Now, I've done some research. Actually, pathetically, I have really done some research. There is not a tequila cowboy in Cleveland. Pittsburgh, yes. Columbus, yes, but not Cleveland. It looks like the closest thing they got to tequila cowboy are a couple places called the Wild Eagle Saloon and Fat Boys Country Club. And they look like very much discount versions of uh, Tequila Cowboy. Uh, Cleveland is going to draft Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold to be their quarterback. And then Todd Haley's going to teach that poor kid to hate pro football inside of 15 minutes. It's tough to look back at the Steelers' season with any degree of happiness. All the chaos made going 13-3 tedious and not very much fun. And then the Steelers went 0-1 in the part of the season that really counts. As far as I'm concerned, the Steelers' final record was 0-1. What makes it even worse is, like I said, who's in the Super Bowl. Uh, The two worst fan bases in football. Uh, Again, the Kings of Deceit and Hubris against the time that booed Santa Claus. I don't want either team to win. I want a meteor to hit the stadium. Here comes Swansea, chance to make a 2-0. They do not, somewhat miraculously, because I'm expecting the worst, as always. Anyway, 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, Matt Williamson said some things that are worth discussing. He said if he were Art Rooney, that he would tell Tomlin there has to be more discipline, there has to be attention paid to things like being on time and just things that the Patriots have made into their watchwords. Things that have added up over the long haul for New England, I think. Would Rooney tell Tomlin that? Would Tomlin tell his players that? What would the players do after the enabler decides he's not going to enable anymore and he's going to, you know, be tough? Because I don't think they would buy into Tomlin trying to be a tougher coach. I think they'd laugh at it. Then again, if you shoot a couple hostages, as I've been suggesting, and I think Bell got to go. I've really considered this quite uh, deeply, quite thoroughly. Bell's got to go. You And it's not just because he missed the walkthrough and was late for the game Sunday and all that crap. It's also because you can get a guy who costs 20% of what Bell makes to do 80% of what Bell does. No question. Let's go to Alex and McMurray. Alex, you're on with Double M. Hey, Super Genius. How are you? Good. What's up? Uh, first, I got a few things for you. Uh, first thing, I completely agree with you about Lev Bell. Two, ga- two days before the biggest game of your season, you're complaining about your salary. Uh, that that's stupid. Well, I think not showing up for the walkthrough is even bigger. Uh, I totally agree. I just agree can't believe that. I, I I wonder what the reaction of the coaches and players were when he walked in that room with five minutes left in the walkthrough. I, I mean, I would have been pissed if I was another one of the players that was there on time, personally. Um, 
The other thing was, is I listened to uh, Frank Coonley this morning, um, and I he said that uh, Bob Nutting was the last person on board with trading Kutch. That's that's crap. You know that he was the first person to want him out of here because of the well, salary. As I've been saying, here's what here's the way I think those things go down with the Pirates, Alex. I don't think Bob Nutting goes to Neil Huntington and says, I want you to trade Kutch. I think Bob Nutting goes to Neil Huntington and said, here's your salary. Excuse me, here's your budget for salary. Make it work. And then yeah. he gives him a number that can't work unless you do trade Kutch. And that was his only solution to that, unfortunately. Well, if you heard the interview, Coonerly chose his venue wisely. He went to a couple guys that aren't sports guys that he would he knew he that wouldn't call him out or, or talk about how full of crap he was. They would just let him talk, just let him give a speech, as it were. And that's all he really did was give a speech. Yeah, can we get him on your show and you'll actually grill him a little as bit? As I always say, <laughs> uh, Coonerly, Huntington, and um, Nutting are, have an open invitation to come on this show. But neither none of them would have the guts, and I don't blame them because I would slice them in half. I wish you would. <laughs> but, but it's not going to happen. They control crap like that. Like, I heard them on the BT morning show. I heard uh, Huntington. And and they asked them tough questions, but then not tough follow-ups when he didn't answer the tough questions. Uh, no, I'm not thinking of Huntington. I'm thinking of Greg Brown, actually. I'm thinking <laughs> of Greg. No, because Greg Brown came out and said, Bob Nutting is a great guy. Nobody wants to win more than he does, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, a lot of people want to win more than, than Bob Nutting does. In fact, I'm having a tough time thinking of any that don't. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. The number to call at the bottom of the hour. Hockey talk with the old two niner Phil Bork, Matt Murray back at practice today. Uh, I've seen uh, and obviously condolences to him for the death of his father. Uh, every time somebody I know and I do like Matthew. Every time somebody I know uh, loses a parent, I think about you know back to losing my mother and how tough that was and and honestly still is for me. So condolences to him and. Uh, we hear Daniel Sprong was getting in a car with a bunch of sticks. So uh, that would seem to me to indicate he's been sent back to Wilkes. Uh, that would seem to me to indicate Brian Rust is ready to play. But uh, I'd rather have Daniel Sprong and Brian Rust in the lineup. I, I really would. But, uh, hey, they, they, they don't like him. They don't like the way he plays. They don't like his lack of back check, that he disappears for a shift now and then. And I understand you want to get those things out of them. I'd like to see more goals scored five on five. Brian Rust probably won't help in that regard. 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double whammy, what's up? In and out like the psychotic version of the hokey pokey. Mark, you are a super genius. I know. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X, 412-333-9931. Uh... They're shooting a movie about Motley Crue based on that book, The Dirt, which is the best rock and roll book ever written. And Machine Gun Kelly, the rapper, is going to play Tommy Lee. I love the Machine Gun Kelly and Roadies, that uh, series on Showtime. So I think that's really a good call. Uh, in other entertainment news, or lack of, the 25th anniversary Raw show is tonight for WWE on the USA Network. I'm sure it'll be great with all kinds of big names returning, like uh, a lot of my boys, Ric Flair, Scott Hall, X-Pac, Ted DiBiase. And then next Monday, Raw will suck again. Uh, some football news. 
Mike Vrabel, the former Steeler linebacker, is the new head coach of Tennessee, and he fired Dick LeBeau, which is no problem. It's his staff. But Richie Walsh of Channel 2 was tweeting, the Steelers should bring LeBeau back as a consultant, blah, blah, blah. For the love of God, Dick LeBeau is 80. Dick LeBeau needs to retire. He needs to just go away. My God. Uh, Roosevelt Knicks made the Pro Bowl. Whoever was supposed to make it at fullback can't go. So Roosevelt Knicks is the Pro Bowl. No offense to Rosie Knicks. It says a lot about the state of the Pro Bowl when the jabroni fullback makes it. Uh, the Patriots coming back from Don Ted in the fourth quarter was amazing. Doing it without Gronk was even more amazing. I mean, wow. I never ceased to be impressed by Brady and his cool under fire. He really is the best quarterback ever. Uh, here's a great tweet from Jason Whitlock about Jacksonville losing. Jags lost the game with the way they ended the first half. Not just the miscues, but no way you walk to the locker room with two timeouts when you get the ball with 53 seconds. Too scared, too conservative. I totally agree with Whitlock, but teams do that against New England all the time. They get a lead and they flinch. Teams are scared to play with a lead against the Patriots, never mind uh, if you trail. Consider that game yesterday. Consider the Super Bowl last year against uh, Atlanta. New England, by the way, is a five-and-a-half-point favorite against Philadelphia. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I've just about run through all my material. I could always reprise what I said earlier, which is, Yay, Debo! Yay! Yay for Debo! Our buddy Debo! He's in the Super Bowl! Get that ring, Debo! Yay, Debo! Yay! Hey, I say again. If you're rooting for Harrison and the Patriots, you're not a Steeler fan anymore. You've joined the other side and support Darth Vader just like uh, James Harrison. Uh, just There's no way to want Harrison to win and prosper if you're a Steeler fan. He chumped out on the Steelers. Now he's with the evil empire. And if he does get a Super Bowl, it'll be just flying high on borrowed wings. But it sickens me how many people are in support of Harrison, which by extension means you're supporting the Patriots as they go to the Super Bowl against uh, Philadelphia. Just disgusting to me. And I remind you, Harrison playing a lot of snaps for New England doesn't mean Pittsburgh did wrong by not playing him. It means that New England needs Harrison more than Pittsburgh did, and it means that New England just wants Harrison to rush the passer period, whereas his position, now filled by T.J. Watt here in Pittsburgh, developed into just as much a pass coverage position as a pass rush position this year. Now, uh, there's just no way to say that the Steelers needed, needed Harrison when they set a team record for sacks with 56 and when that figure led the National Football League this season. 
If you could tell me how they needed Harris, I'd love to hear it. I just don't think there's any logical way to say they did. Uh, I know he had a uh, kind of a sack yesterday. He got credited with three tackles. He kind of stripped the ball that one time. I don't know why he didn't get credit for a sack there, but you know, if you want to base that judgment on one game, I mean, sure he's going to the Super Bowl. That's because Tom Brady's his quarterback. Let's go to Adam in Manesson. Adam, you're on with Mark. Yeah, Mark. Uh, everybody's talking about Brady. How about Amendola? Man, he don't make them catches that he made. Brady ain't going to look like, you know, he's going to look like nothing. Amendola was the Turn your radio down. Turn your radio down. If Danny Amendola played for just about anybody else, he'd be in witness protection. Nobody would know who he is. Yeah, but the catches that he made, that catch he made for that touchdown. Yeah, terrific catch. I heard you the first time. Tom Brady's the reason you're in the Super Bowl, not not the white receiver. Okay. I mean, he made good catches, but, I mean, you're acting like, oh, forget about Brady. What about that Amendola? Amendola makes Brady. He was lucky that he was throwing the ball to a great receiver like Amendola. That's just idiotic. Up next, as Liverpool trail into the... 67th minute against last place Swansea. I'm not as upset as I normally would be because I've really lowered my expectations. I'm proud of myself for doing that. I have played, uh, I've like given myself self-analysis. It's like I sat down on my own psychiatrist couch and you can't be disappointed if if you're always disappointed. You can't be disappointed if you expect disappointment. So that's where we're at as well as Don 1-0 to Swansea in the 67th minute. But we will talk hockey with Phil Bork next. That should make everybody feel better. 105.9 X. This is Ian Cole of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Joining me now, he is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He does color analysis on Penguins radio broadcast right here on the X. It's always a pleasure to talk to the old 2-9er, Phil Bork. Uh, Borky, I'm starting to get worried. The Penguins are 6-3 and three this month. But aren't really making up much ground on getting a playoff spot. Well, yeah, that is concerning, considering that uh, really nobody is pounding their chest in the East except probably the Boston Bruins. Everybody seems to be stumbling right now, including the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and in the Metro, nobody's really killing it either. Uh, so it's kind of a bit of an opportunity wasted because the Penguins, you know, when they're on their four-game winning streak, were quickly moving up the standings. Uh, and even now, uh, you're right that you're one – real lousy five-game stretch from really being up against it. But you're also, you know, one week, one five-game stretch from knocking on the Washington Capitals door. The Pens went one and two on this West Coast trip. What went right and what went wrong? Well, let's start with what went wrong because that's a that's a shorter answer. Is a second period in Anaheim. That was I, – I, I can't even come up with a reason for that, Mark, uh, because they were standing around, they were watching, they were – were reactive instead of proactive. Um, and uh, I don't even know if the coaching staff or the players can come up with a great answer. Um, I, I thought they had a great start in San Jose. I thought the first period was one of the best all year. Um, I thought for the most part they sorted out the rush defensively. I thought they were stronger in their identification in their defensive zone. I thought they moved the puck and came out as a five-man unit out of their zone uh, on a little bit more consistent basis than we've seen easier uh, uh, earlier in the year. I think they had more offensive zone time. I thought they uh, forechecked and cycled the puck a little bit better. 
Um, I still don't see enough secondary scoring uh, to be difference makers when they really just need that one goal. A prime example is in San Jose. Uh, they did get a goal from Connor Sherry, but, but that was about it. Uh, the power play continues to hum along. The penalty killing continues to hum along. So I think there's a lot more good than uh, than maybe a lot of people think because they're more staring at the, the losses in two of the last three games. And maybe what's staring them right in the face, the team's playing a little bit better than you think they are. They're starting to get their wheels a-churning. And uh, I felt really good going into the Anaheim game, coming off the four-game winning streak, and they played good in the first. Again, that second period absolutely killed them, and then they were chasing the score and chasing the game. The game in L.A. I thought was just rock solid throughout. Uh, starting with Casey DeSmith. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot more good than maybe uh, people are giving the Penguins credit for. We've talked about this before, but I don't think Sid, Gino, and Kessel can all be on different lines. I understand what, what Sully wants, but I don't see it. What would you do, Borkin? What are the pros and cons? Well, it seemed to be working when the Penguins won four in a row. I, I liked it. I thought it was, uh, it was good to be able to spread the uh, wealth like that and that uh, Sid could continue to get points, Gino could get points, and, and Phil was getting points. And I understand most of those were, were via the power play. But nonetheless, it, it, I just felt it made it more difficult for the opposition to defend and, and the opponent's coach to try to get his matchup when he was looking at Phil, Gino, and Sid on, on three different lines. The only problem is that is when you're not scoring. But I do see Mike Sullivan, again, being proactive, as he's always been as the Penguins head coach, is when he's looking for that spark. We've seen Phil up with, with Sid. He'll throw Phil right back with Gino again. So I don't think that's something that's set in stone. I think he'll start the game with it, but if it, things aren't going uh, that well offensively, I, I, don't, I don't think uh, you can blame Mike Sullivan because he's, he's quick, as quick on the trigger to change up lines as probably any coach in the league. Uh, Daniel Sprong got scratched in L.A. and San Jose. Today it looks like he got sent back to Wilkes. Uh, what's going on with that guy? Well, probably part of it's Brian Russ coming back. But, um, you know, he had that great game in, in Long Island, in Brooklyn, against the Islanders. He had a couple goals and a helper. But after that, he just kind of plateaued. He wasn't getting as many chances. And uh, I don't know. I think he's one of those guys. He's got he's to gotta blow the coaching staff out of the water. He's got to make that decision harder for him. I think he's just making the decision to, too easy for them. Uh, and I understand he's got a great lease. And, and I got the pom-poms out for number 41. Trust me, Mark, I understand and I appreciate the skill level that he has. I think they're just looking for more consistency and more urgency from Strong. Is Matt Hunwick better than Ian Cole? That's very much debated by Penguins fans. Well, that's a tough one for me because I, I do have a soft spot for Ian Cole. I think he's an absolute warrior. Um, I want to see him in the lineup. Um, it's, it's really hard for me uh, because I have a great... No, and I'm not dismissing Matt Hunwick, Borky. It just... It, yeah. it just and, and I don't. It doesn't matter what Ian Cole's done, although you can't get that out of your mind. I'm just not sure that that, that the wrong guy is being scratched. No, fair enough. I I have a tough time debating you with that, Mark. I'd probably more agree with you than anything else. I'd rather not that I'd rather. I like Matt Hunwick too, uh, but I want to see Ian Cole in the lineup. I I, I really appreciate the way that he plays, and um, I, I think he bring, brings a unique skill set that Matt Hunwick doesn't have. Um, I think he's a little more physical than Matt Hunwick. I, I like his, his first pass. I like the way he moves his feet to, to open up that passing lane to, to break out. I understand he's had some flaws in his game this year, some turnovers, ill-advised turnovers, but 
I don't know if that's enough to get him on the lineup. And uh, I just I just want to see him back in there, and I hope it's not because of an injury. I, I just think when he, once he gets back in there, and we've seen this before from him, you know, a couple of years ago when he was a healthy scratch for a full month, uh, and he was able to persevere through that, and he, he never looked back. So I just get that feeling this will happen again. He'll get back in there again. And when he does, I think he'll be one of those guys, when I talk about making that statement and making that decision real hard for the coaching staff, I think he'll do that. We're talking to Phil Bork. He's brought to you by Coors Light. Uh, Casey DeSmith did well these last two games in goal. Yeah, He's in an odd spot, though, because he can't be better than a number three goalie, uh, but he was excellent. He was outstanding. He was outstanding in both games. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was a little surprised that he got the start in uh, San Jose, but I was pleasantly surprised. And, you know, this is what I love. One of the things I love about Mike Sullivan is that if you go to the wall for him and you perform and, and you deliver, He's going to reward you, and he put him right back in there again. And uh, he, I thought he had an outstanding game. I don't know, a perfect shot on the first goal just inside the post uh, by Timo Meyer, and then the, the power play goal. I don't think you can blame him on that one either. That was right off a clean faceoff win, and by the bing, by the boom, it was right in the net. So Casey DeSmith has is, is really uh, um, shown why he was so good in the American Hockey League, and it doesn't always translate, especially for goaltenders that dominate in the American Hockey League, and then they come up, and it's like, what is going on here? But, uh, you know, after the two rough starts that he had, to start his, not starts, but um, appearances that he had to start his NHL career in relief, uh, I think his two starts, the uh, L.A. game and the San Jose game, have uh, really shown you that this is a pretty special kid. Even though he's not that big, most goaltenders are averaging, what, 6'3 now, Mark? This kid's only six feet tall, but he's got great reflexes, really sound positionally, and the best part is, uh, he's super athletic, and he's got a great compete level. Matt Murray's back with the team after uh, mourning the death of his father, uh, and he still is, obviously. It's got to be hard to play now, Borky, because with hockey players, invariably their dads were closely intertwined with everything the son did as a player. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's a little tough for me to talk about, actually, because I had a, I think you and I have talked a little bit, a tumultuous relationship with my dad, but my dad did a lot for me as far as, uh, you know, helping my hockey career along and, and sacrificed a lot. And the reason I bring that up is because I read a story uh, about Matt Murray and, and his dad and living up in Thunder Bay, Ontario, that I think it's about 11 or 12-hour drive from Toronto or something. And a lot of times you had to hop on an airplane to fly places. And there's a, being a goaltender, you can only imagine the ridiculous cost involved. And uh, his dad was always there financially. And, and if he could be there personally to support him uh he was there and so you know the thing about hockey players you know the people in that room your teammates they really are like brothers and if you've won a couple stanley cups as matt murray has with the core group here that when you walk in that room he talked about it being kind of a a safe haven for him being on the ice and being in the locker room you know the other part is you know you you hope that he takes his dad with him when he goes into the net when he goes to play goal and believe that that is going to strengthen him, and that, that's going to drive him to be better. And you, you can only imagine what that first game is going to be like, um, you know, with, with his dad fresh inside his mind. Um, you, you've seen it before. It's happened before that sometimes you get uh, incredible strength from, uh, from real heartache. And uh, the good thing is he's got not only the whole Penguins organization, but the whole city of Pittsburgh behind him. Uh, we've talked about this before, too, but... Uh, I still don't see a big deal out there to be made by Jim Rutherford. Too many teams are legitimately in the playoff race. 
And I don't know if the other GMs in the league really want to help the Penguins, Borky. After all, <laughs> they have won the last two championships. I can't deny that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for Jimmy to pull the trigger on this one here. And you're, we're, our nose is smash up against the, the salary cap, too. So uh, it'll be interesting. I'm sure he's trying hard. I'm sure he'd love to get another center to throw into the mix there. Uh, maybe one more scoring winger. Who knows? Maybe even another de- depth defenseman. Um, uh, and you're right. With these three-point games going on, Mark, especially when they're interconference games or, excuse me, interdivisional games, uh, it is going to make it harder because teams are, are going to try to sell, you know, being five points back of a playoff spot, they're going to sell that to their fans. And they're not going to trade away their, their best player when they're four or five points back. And, and when you get into late March, early April, you're four or five back. The chances of you making the playoffs are something like 5%. You know, but, but teams are going to sell hope to their fans, and they're not going to trade away their better players. So uh, I don't know. I, I still believe that Jimmy's going to find a way to get that one piece that we're, that we're needing. Um, he, he's just done it in the past, and I believe he'll do it again. Is the single biggest need third-line center, Borky, or do you want to go off the board? No, I'll go third-line center. I, I just think to go off the board, I just think it's going to be too difficult. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I mean, it could happen, uh, but, you know, the two things, and I think I've touched on this with you a little bit, uh, that you really need to be careful with is, is you need to get a good person and a good player. You need somebody that fits in that room as well as fits in, in your need. But for me, it's, it's probably that third-line center, that guy that um, not only salary-wise, not only person-wise, but player-wise, it's going to be a tough find. Carolina's in town tomorrow night. Uh, three weeks ago, the Canes stumped the Penguins. 4 nothing here in Pittsburgh, and I still can't explain that result. No, they outworked the Penguins, and uh, that's going to be fresh in their mind. That wasn't that long ago. And, uh, you know, the one thing they had was Sebastian Ajo, who they're not going to have in their lineup tomorrow night, and this kid is the real deal, special hockey player. Uh, after his collision with Mark Giordano from the Calgary Flames, he's going to be out for a while, and that's a big loss for them. And, and now they're in the tailspin. And so I, I just think this stretch here – for the Penguins, the two before the All-Star break and then the two coming out of the All-Star break, four games at home total, uh, is really a key time in the Penguins' season. This is where they got to make the move. they got a couple teams that have games in hand with them, and everybody's all crunched together right now. I think this is the time you make that move in these next four games, starting with Carolina, to get yourself, instead of out of this wild-card yo-yo that you're in, get yourself up into the top three and start hunting down the Washington Capitals. Sid's been stuck on 399 career goals for three games. Tomorrow would be a good night to get it out of the way, wouldn't it? Yeah, just do it tomorrow night. Do it against the Canes. Do it against Cam Ward. Um, he's, he's had some unbelievable opportunities. Man, did he have some great chances in San Jose. Probably, I, I don't know if I can remember a game where Sid has had that many quality scoring chances and didn't score uh, in recent memory. Uh, but he's, he's you're right, he's... He's going to probably just want to get it early, get it out of the way. And, uh, you know, he loves these special moments in front of the home fans. he got his 1,000 at home here, and maybe it's 400 tomorrow night against the Kings. Borky, great stuff. We'll see you at the rink tomorrow. Double M, I enjoyed it like always. This was good hockey talk. That's the old 2-9er, Phil Bork, brought to you by Coors Light. Enjoy 22-ounce Coors Light drafts for just 3 bucks during all Penguin games at Esta Esta in Monroeville. I've been there. That's a great place. Phil Bork also brought to you by Armstrong. One wire, infinite possibilities. We'll talk to Bob McGaugh the next 105.9 The X. Today.
now the super genius, Mark Madden. All hail Finn, all hail Mark Madden. I think that says a lot about my integrity. I love it, I think it's great. Achtung, baby. The X at 105.9. Liverpool just seconds away from losing to last place Swansea City. I wonder when the last time in the Premier League a team beat the top team and then in the very next game lost to the last place team. But that's Liverpool. That's why I drink and cry in a dark room at night. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, your take on yesterday's conference championship games. I thought that the uh, Eagles looked extremely impressive. And uh, Liverpool hit the post and shoot it over the net on literally the last kick of the game. Dear Jesus. Um. The Eagles just killed Minnesota. I thought Philadelphia might win. I definitely did not see that coming. I didn't see that coming at all either, Mark. I mean, that was just a slaughter. Um, Eagles or Vikings marched down first possession, score seven nothing. Thought it was going to be a good game, and then all of a sudden, it just absolutely fell apart for the Vikings. Um, as you and Matt Williamson talked about earlier, where did Foles get that ability? How did he play that game? He certainly doesn't do that in two weeks. Uh, he has to do better than that in two weeks if they're going to win. But I thought he did play a, a terrific game. And then the New England game, uh, the Patriots are down by 10 with nine minutes left, and it never felt like they were going to lose the game, did it? Yeah, unbelievable. And you can see the writing on the wall. You talked about uh, teams playing the Patriots scared, and that's exactly what the Jaguars did at the end of that first half. Ridiculous that they didn't try and make something out of it. They got burned by it. That started the Patriots' comeback. And even when it was down, even when the Pats were down 10, Mark, in the second half, they were still moving the ball. Um, the Jags were not taking advantage of all the opportunities that they had. And as they came down for that last possession, it, it, you just knew what was going to happen because they do it time and time again. It was sickening. Uh, is there any way Philadelphia could beat New England? Not at all. Bargain injury to Brady. Unless a fan throws a full beer can out of the stands and hits Tom Brady in the head as he's coming or out. Unless they practice. throw it at New England's bus like they did this week right. and the window by Brady just happens to be open. Yeah, they threw it at everybody with purple on down at the link. Uh, it was Those videos are unbelievable. But that's that's Philadelphia, and that's why it's so hard to even root for them playing the Patriots. Well, what, but, a, what a horrible matchup this is, oh. Bob, uh, for Pittsburgh, because you got the great Satan in New England looking to win their sixth Super Bowl and tie the Steelers for Super Bowl titles overall. And then you got Philadelphia, the cross-state rival, with the most execrable set of fans ever. I mean... Just the way they acted, Bob, they were beating each other up in the parking lot before the game. Each other. Not Minnesota fans beating each other up. And apparently randomly, if the video is to be believed. <laughs> and not just each other. A police horse. I guess a police horse got punched. Not by Mongo, but of course by a Philadelphia Eagles fan. But that's Philadelphia. I'm still rooting for Philadelphia, though. Uh, I'm not rooting for. Let's just say I hope that they win. I'm not out and out rooting for them. Uh, it, it, it's going to be the Patriots, but I will do everything in my power to try and turn that so that it is not the Patriots. Uh, Bob, uh, if, if the Patriots win like we just talked about, they will have six Super Bowl championships tying the Steelers. But isn't it grotesquely unfair that the championships won before the Super Bowl era seemingly don't count? They're totally forgotten, for example. <laughs> If you go by total NFL championships, the Green Bay Packers, in addition to having won four Super Bowls, which is pretty impressive, won eight NFL championships. They have, uh, excuse me, nine. They have 13 championships total 
But everybody would think that the Steelers have the more storied franchise because they have more Super Bowls. It's the narrative, though. you got to follow the narrative in the NFL. And to a point, you know, Steeler fans, they've made a great narrative over these years about the Super Bowl championships just being the most important because they're the latest and because of the way the game has evolved. But they won't have that argument anymore if the Patriots win in two weeks. Uh, Bob, what was your take on the way James Harrison played? Uh, it was fine. He was there. He, you know, he got in there. I didn't see him as the end-all, be-all as some Steeler fans. I was appalled at some of the reaction on social media and even on airwaves this morning. People were, were comparing James Harrison and rooting for James Harrison just like I'm going to root for Marc-Andre Fleury with the Vegas Golden Knights and with Andrew McCutcheon with the Giants. That almost made me puke in my car. That's appalling. James Harrison sabotaged his time with the Steelers here so that he could get the he way sabotaged he... the last year, certainly. Yes, sabotaged the last year and especially the last few weeks. He wanted out of here. He made everybody down on the south side. Sorry, Bert Lawton, at the Steelers UPMC facility, the Art Rooney complex down there on the south side. He made it known he wanted out here. He tried to bully his way out. I guess it worked. Because, Bob, that's what he is. He's been a bully all of his life. And don't reward him for doing that. He was not he wasn't helping the Steelers win this year. Steelers set the sack record without him. They had better pass coverage without him. Don't try and turn that narrative around to say that, oh, what a great thing this Steeler hero was going to get another one with the Patriots. That's that's not how it works. That's not how it adds up. Right. If Flurry had gone to Philadelphia, that that's what this is like. Harrison oh. going to New England. It's not Flurry, you know, left to go to an expansion team out west. We didn't know they'd be as threatening as they are. Right, and it hurt him to leave here. He wasn't happy. He wasn't scheming. Whereas Harrison, like you said, sabotaged his own finish here in Pittsburgh for the sake of selfishly escaping and trying to win a Super Bowl by flying high on borrowed wings. And I just think the guy's a horrible human being. And I don't see how anybody could say that the Steelers needed to play him more. They set a league record, excuse me, a team record, for sacks, and that figure led the league as well. I don't understand where they wanted Harrison to play and in place of who. Right, and it also allowed them to run a defensive scheme that got them to 13-3 and and allowed them to patch up some holes that were definitely going to be there if James Harrison was dropping back into pass coverage. It's not a one-trick pony defense. It's not a piece of the puzzle like New England needed and filled. Much different scenario here. And like I said, I just couldn't believe some of the reaction that I was saying. These are the same Steeler fans that were going to call you, Mark, you know, and complain about Tomlin or Ben or something like that. And then they're going to go online and say, what a great story it is that James Harrison's going to get another James, James Harrison's a piece of crap. And, what, and it, you know, I'm actually chagrined he might win a Super Bowl. But I know the real story, and I'm paying attention to it. Uh, it's unbelievable to me that you haven't gotten more calls, people, you know. Because you, you like know his ex-teammates here felt used by him. They felt villainized by him. They felt disrespected by him. If, if you people out there are Steeler fans, you should not be happy. That's but, the, yeah, that's the story that Steeler fans need to jump on, is how he did this to his own team. Debo! Yay, Debo! We love Debo! Go, Debo! Uh, Bob, uh, I'm really worried about the Penguins. I know that's probably not how I should feel with them being 6-3 and three this month, but a lot of the old habits I thought they were trying to shed cropped up in those last two games on the West Coast. As in, they allowed four goals in one period Ooh. at uh, Anaheim. Uh, that was in the loss to start the trip. And then they 
just couldn't score against San Jose. And I know that the, the theory is they had a lot of chances. As long as you get chances, you're doing your job. That's a bunch of nonsense. With the players they have, you got to put the rock in the onion bag. And now they've sent Daniel Sprong down because Brian Rust is back. And no offense to Brian Rust, but he don't score. You know, you're sending down a guy who, you know, hadn't been running wild, but in generating chances frequently. He had one game he didn't like. You benched him two games. You sent him back down, and now he's being replaced in the lineup by the guy who never scores. Yeah, but a guy who maybe he helps patch those holes on the, uh, you know, the um, odd number breaks going the other way. Maybe he's, you know, obviously he's better defensively than Daniel Sprong was. Um, he's got the speed. Maybe he helps cover for some of that. But again, they need the defense to not be as active, or they can be active without being careless. We talked about that last week, Mark. And I'm not. Maybe I should be as worried as you are right now, but I'm not as worried as you are right now. I think maybe because they did go on that little win streak, this is a little bit of a blip in the road. They're right there in it, in the Metro. A couple of points here and there. They're either, like you said, they're gunning for second place. That's the position you want to see them in. I'm fine with that one also. I think things are going to shake up a little bit now. They've got Matt Murray back with the team. Maybe this stuff with Ian Cole gets ironed out and he becomes a productive, well, he, not a productive part of the team. He becomes a skating member of the team. Maybe again. they just let him play again. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, it's going to be, I'm not going to say it's going to be tight, Mark, but I think if I was going to lean one way or the other, I would think that the playoffs still make, I mean, the Penguins still make the playoffs. Oh, no, I think it's 50 50, but, you know, it's just. I'd put it a little bit more than that. Maybe 60 40, maybe even. I would say 51-49. Liverpool lose. I I can't begin to tell you how sad I get. Not sad, just like I said, I've lowered my expectations. I just don't know how you lose to to the last-place team the game after you beat the undefeated first-place team. They're the Steelers of soccer. (laughs) No, Bob, this is a lot worse. This is is so extreme in an eight-day span, I don't even be... Okay, maybe I am frustrated. Uh, in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you about the dumbest protest, and we are in the era of dumb protests, but the dumbest protest out there right now, and it involves the National Hockey League. But first, you can win money. Listen, you hear a keyword, you text it to the number prescribed, and you win a thousand bucks. I listen to the new sign of 13Q, Mark Madden, 105.9.